Thank you very much. You may be seated. Thank you very much for that warm welcome, Paul. Do appreciate oops, music in the background. Okay, all right, start again. Uh, thanks for that, Paul. And um, it's a real blessing to be here uh, this morning at Beacon Church. I think this is long overdue. Um, I've been speaking to Fallon. Is Fallon here? No, she's not. Maybe not. All right, okay. And we tried to arrange this uh, several months back, and we're not able to do so. Um, but it's a real privilege to be with you this morning. I really appreciate your pastor, Pastor Sujit Alex and his wife, and appreciate their friendship, their love, and their support to myself and my wife as well. Uh, I've known Sujit now going on, well, 2015 to just about seven, seven, eight years now. Um, I've, I've known him, and it's, he's been a real blessing to my life. And um, it's also... Good to have Kelly, you know, just uh, supporting the area. Um, really appreciate all the work that she does. And also, again, just extending um, that gratitude to the church for releasing Sujith Kelly and the rest of the team to support the area. So thank you very much. Right, so this morning we want to look at Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 to 11. And I want to minister a message entitled, and it's not novel to myself, I think there's actually a Netflix documentary or film um, that goes after this title as well, um, Into the Deep, Into the Deep, from Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through to 11, I'm going to read that in a short while, but um, a recent study suggested that bad habits and overconfidence can lead first-time passes of like driving tests to drive less safely than those who took more than one attempt at passing their driving test. Apparently, those who took longer to pass benefited from spending more time behind the wheels. Now, (laughs) I'm not sharing that info um, because, you know, my wife passed the first time and I passed the second time around and I think... I'm a better driver than her. It's got nothing to do with that. I suppose what can't be disputed is that in life, we're going to go through tests. Life is full of tests. Cradle to the grave, and in between, they're tests. Tests at school, tests at work, older you get, eye tests, (laughs) and other tests we have recently as a nation, indeed as a world, become accustomed to COVID tests. Um, Life is full of tests, and some tests, though tricky, can add value to our lives, if not save our lives and the lives of others around us. Tests can also stretch us. They are often fraught with the unknown, with difficulties that take you and me out of our comfort zones. They are occasions for us to make mistakes and hopefully learn from those mistakes. Tests are also a way by which people mature. They grow up come of age, as it were. This is also true with our Christian walk, 
our Christian walk is full of tests. And through the tests that you and I go through as believers, through those challenges, through those reversals, through the heartache, through the pain, through going through the unknown, through those tests, you and I as believers, we grow. We hopefully can become more mature Christians. We get renewed in our minds and develop a strong or stronger faith in God. So we mature through tests, and in particular, the test of our faith. Oftentimes, these tests or what results out of these tests is a renewed mind. And this seems to be the case, bear with me as I lead into our passage this morning, this seems to be the case with Peter on this fishing trip that he's on with Jesus. In our text, we read, or we're going to read about a time when Jesus took his disciples into the deep. He took his disciples into the deep, and that deep, for the purposes of this message, characterizes something difficult, characterizes the unknown, the painful, the unpredictable, those challenges that you and I go through in life that can leave us, you know, questioning sometimes our faith. It's a place of stretching. And in our text, we see how his faith is strengthened, how his faith is it's developed how it's, his faith becomes more mature as a result of going into the deep. And we may say it caused them, especially Peter, to become more mature as a result of going into the deep. And so since he learned from his mistakes, um, I also want to suggest to us this morning that You know, this is a devotional reading of this passage. It's not, you know, a line-by-line exegesis, and each and every one of us can have different interpretations and come out with different views and perspectives on the text. So this is a devotional reading, okay? But I believe through this text, as we look at it as the Spirit of God has laid it on my heart to minister this morning, I believe God can help us to process the deep. God can help us to, to overcome the deep, to overcome the difficulties that we sometimes feel we've been flung into or sometimes we enter into as we walk with God himself. God this morning wants to help us in the deep. I'm going to read from the New International Version. It says in verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listened to the word of God. He saw At the water's edge, two boats let there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners and the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch or fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. In our text, these two things take place. Simon Peter, his faith is tested. And through the testing of his faith, his mind is renewed. His faith is strengthened. And he is ready for something greater. My point this morning is this. Be encouraged, Beacon Church. God wants to prepare us. God wants to prepare you for something greater in the deep. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but someone has come into church this morning and you feel like you're in the deep. You're, you know, in deep waters. You feel overwhelmed. You feel anxious. You feel like you've lost control, you feel you can't feel or see the bottom of, you know, the situation as it were. You feel as though you're in the deep. You're going through something challenging, maybe some real or perhaps even imagined failure, right? That is just causing you to, you know, just feel anxious. Maybe you're experiencing some change in your personal life. Maybe some report You've heard from the doctors or, you know, um, in your home, uh, at work. Maybe there's some changes and, or indeed maybe just the things we're hearing in the news. Um, just the, 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 the anxiety-induced news that we're hearing lately is just causing you to be anxious and to be afraid. Maybe you're seeing your bills go up. Um, perhaps that's not maybe. You are seeing your bills go up. Right? And, and these things, it's as though you're, you're in deep water, perhaps even as a church. Perhaps even as a church, you are experiencing changes or we're being challenged to, to, to uh, uh, do more in our ministries and to expand. And, and all of these things, if we're honest, can cause deep anxiety in us. This is the deep, folks. This is the deep. This is what the deep is like. But God wants to say to you and I this morning, do not be afraid. Just about three, four people, including Paul, believe that. I'll say it again, all right? God wants to say to us this morning, do not be afraid. I'm not trivializing your problems and the issues. They are, for many of us, they're very real and they're very serious. And I'm not here to, you know, just bat them off and come on, just get into your faith and let's not be real. That's not what I'm doing. You are going through and experiencing some very real challenges and I'm not trying to make nothing out of them. 
But what I also want to do, and I really feel compelled to do this morning by the Spirit, is to challenge us to continue to put our hope and trust in God. And to be encouraged by what Jesus said. He says, do not be afraid when you're in the deep. For when you pass through the waters, God says, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, God is saying to someone this morning, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I feel the Holy Spirit this Sunday morning. The flames will not set you ablaze. Jesus is with you in the deep. Why don't you just turn to someone and just tell them, be encouraged. Jesus is with you in the deep. Look at them again one more time. Just look at them and say, be encouraged. Jesus is with you in the deep. Amen. I want to look at a couple things before we close and pray about the deep. Again, you know, as I said, this is not hermeneutics, exegesis of every passage. and It's a topical sermon. It's devotional. These are some things I was led by the Spirit to talk about. Um, I think they reflect the character of God on balance. And so the first thing is that God has a vision for the deep. Right? God has a vision for the deep. Verse 4 says, when he had finished speaking, that is Jesus, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Through Jesus' actions, we learn something about God, okay, and how he works in our lives. And we can draw some comfort from these things. It is true, number one, that God loves us and wants to be with us. God loves us and wants to be with you and with me. And it says in, in verse 3, he got into one of the boats that belonged to Simon. And I take from that this idea that Jesus is walking by and, and he sees Simon boat, Simon's boat. And if you like, singles him out and says, you know, I want to, I want to be with him. And he goes to his boat and I draw from that this idea that God wants to be with us. Amen? He wants to dwell with us. He wants to, as John says, tabernacle with us. God loves us. God cares for us. God cares for you. Let's make it personal this morning. All right? And yes, we can talk about the collective, but I'm talking also about you. God loves you and cares for you. He wants to dwell with you. And this is a source of blessing. It's also true that God wants to be glorified in and through our lives. I see this from the fact that he goes into Simon's boat and and he begins to teach and preach from this vessel that belonged to Simon. And it's like, you know, he he wanted through Simon's property, as it were, to, 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 to 
to minister and, and so that his life, his property can glorify God as it were. And the same can be true or can be said for you and me this morning that when God comes into our lives, he wants to glorify, he wants to be glorified in and through our lives. He wants to use our vessel, our properties as it were, so that he can bring glory to himself. He got into his boat and began to teach the people from the boat. He began to bless others and minister to the needs of others. Now, those things are true. God singles out his people. God loves us. God identifies with us. And God wants to be glorified in our lives. But it's also true this morning that God has a vision for the deep. And this is a tension that we all as believers, have to process that in one sense, God loves us and and God wants to be glorified in and through our lives and God has good intention and good will for us. But in another sense, God desires that we launch into the deep. That as Jesus said to Simon, you know, move this boat, move this vessels from the shore. And it's, let's get into the deep. I've got a burden, I've got a vision there's something in the deep I want you to experience. Oh, it's great being by the shore. It's, it's great being in the boat and great talking from this place of comfort and this, this you know, uh, uh, place that you are able to manage and, and everything's fine and everything's perfect. But I've got a burden for the deep. There's, there's something I want to show you. There's something I want you to experience. But it's only going to happen if we launch into the deep. God seeks to take us from the shallow end into the deep. God has something more for us in the deep because he has a vision for the deep. There's some of us here this morning, as I said earlier, you are anxious of the deep, but I'm praying this morning through what I've just said that you will begin just to see this deep from a different perspective, indeed from God's perspective, that God is able to turn all things around. That's, that's the, the, the idea behind what I'm saying. That's the background text, the background, if you like, theology behind it, that, you know what, God is able to turn things around. Whatever the enemy meant for evil, God is able to, to right? Yeah, that's the background idea behind it. Right? That he will never leave you nor forsake you. That, you know, uh, in the time of trouble, he's an ever-present help. You, 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 right? That's the theme behind this point. God has a vision for the deep. The second thing is God's vessels for the deep. Not only does God have a vision for the deep, but God uses certain vessels to help us get there. Verse 3 to 4, he says, he got into one of the boats, and forgive me, I'm going to be reading texts that I've read before, but just to focus on the point. Got into the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep waters and let down the nets for a catch. They're setting vessels. 
They couldn't get to the deep without being in Simon's boat, as it were. And I know this is a bit trite, but, you know, in the King James Version, it uses the word ship or ships. And, you know, there's certain ships, as it were, that God uses to take us from the shallow end of our walk with God, if I could say that, from the comfortable, the place of comfort and, and ease, which God hasn't got a problem with, but maturity demands that we launch into the deep, you see. And so there's certain ships, as it were, that God will use to, to bring us to that place. And remember, the deep is not just about, and we're going to come to it in a short while, it, God's not, you know, um, you know, some, he's not an evil God, he's not a God who who just wants us to go through problems and, and um, you know, he's not capricious. He's not, he's not like just doing things and, and because he, he just, that's because he's God and he can do that. But God is a good God, right? So there's, there's and we're going to talk about in a short while, there's some, some value to the deep, right? Right, they, they had a big catch, it says. They, there was blessing in the deep. There was, there was, if you like, fruitfulness in the deep. There, if you like, those breakthrough in the deep, if you like, there was they experienced a miracle in the deep, all right? So God is good all the time. God is good. Let's don't get it twisted this morning when we are talking about the deep and the tension that we have to also talk about when we talk about we, we can't deny it. there's some tension there. There's right, but at the end of the day, ultimately God is good and He has good plans and good intentions. Uh, that he wants us to, or his good intentions, he wants us to see in the deep. And so they're sending vessels or ships, if you like, that he will use to launch us into the deep. And I said it's a bit trite, but forgive me. One of those vessels is church membership. Church membership. Church partnership. Being part of a church. Being part of a local vision of a church. Very important means by which God launches us into the deep so that we can be blessed in the deep. And at such a time as we live where, you know, post-COVID, um, you know, for sometimes and for good reasons, people have been able to, you know, join and 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 parents to other ministries and other churches, and that's been a real blessing. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's, it's still very important that we're part of a local church and connected to a local vision. Because God orchestrates, you know, perp- his purposes and plans oftentimes through that local vision and local church. And, and the being partners or being a member of that church can actually help us launch into the deep so that we can grow. We can talk about church fellowship, coming together, gathering together, not forsaken, as the writer of Hebrews says, the assembly of the saints, and and being together and supporting one another. You know, when we come out and we see our brothers and sisters, and, you know, we can get encouragement that can help us in the deep. People can pray for us. People can minister to us. We can hear a word just in the songs and and worship, perhaps. You know, we can be ministered to. The church fellowship. It was so wonderful just to hear about, you know, you having communion and prayer nights. 
that Eucharistic worship can create opportunities for us to meet with Jesus, to dine with Jesus, and for supernatural things to take place in our lives. It takes us into the deep and it brings a blessing to us. We can talk about financial stewardship. You know, just just asking ourselves the hard questions about how we manage our finances. You know, are we doing things according to the principles of the kingdom? Are we supporting the vision of the kingdom, the local church, with our giving, with our finances? Are we being wise stewards in our personal lives concerning our finances? Brother Paul was talking and he was saying, you know what, we gave, God blesses us. And that is true. When we're wise stewards, God blesses us too. Giving is part of that, but it's not the only thing. It's, when, it's, it's, it's more holistic than that, as we all know. That we need to be good stewards of the resources, the financial resources God has given us. Because when we swallow that hard pill to look at that bank balance and to right, look at those things and address them and open ourselves to the help of God, God launches us into the deep and then we can experience the supernatural in our lives. We can go on and on to talk about, you know, praise and worship and discipleship and all of these things. These are all means by which, these are all vessels by which God launches us into the deep so that we can have a big catch. Not launches us, they're not there to to torment us and to make life difficult for us. Sometimes that's how it feels. Don't need to say amen. (laughs) Right? Church membership and partnership, church fellowship and financial stewardship and, you know, praise. All these things are, are not there sometimes, although they, we, we are tempted to feel like this is what they're there for. They're not there to stifle our spiritual life. They're not there to make, you know, us feel, um, you know, uh, to hinder our growth. They, these things are, are there to launch us into the deep for a greater objective. That's a big catch, an encounter with God. Can you say amen? To experience the supernatural, to experience the power of God, to experience the blessing of God, to experience the the miraculous in our lives. That's what they're there for. The third thing is godly voices from the deep. God's vision, God's vessels, and another thing the text, I think, highlights for us are the godly voices we hear from the deep says, when they caught such a large number of fish, the nets began to break. And it says in verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, this is in the deep. He says, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful sinful man. You know, I like some some renditions of this story. Um, There was a uh, a, a, a film. Do you remember Miracle Maker? Does anyone remember that? So the plasticine film of Jesus, the Passion of Christ. Is it the Passion or the story of Jesus? And um, anyway, they, it was a rendition of this story, and and it really captured, I, I believe, the, the the difference in in Simon's voices or Peter's voices, if you like. And it was saying, you know, when Jesus 
got into his boat and told him to launch into the ship. You know, as the text says, he says, well, master, you know, we've rowed all night or, you know, and this is not the right time to do it. In, in the rendition, in this film, you know, it, it, it says or it depicts Simon as sort of, you know, being obnoxious, you know, sort of rolling his eyes at Jesus. Like, duh, you're, you're a carpenter. I'm a, I'm a fisherman, you know, who would know better? Right. Okay. And so the idea is that he's he's pompous. He's a bit arrogant. Right. He's a bit obnoxious. He he feels he knows more. He knows better. Right. He's, you know, unwilling to learn. Right. On the shore. Right. But when he goes into the deep and there are only some things you only have only the deep can produce these things in you and me. It's but until he goes into the deep. And experiences the grace of God, experiences the love of God, experiences the mercy. I mean, it knocks him out, God's mercy towards him, even though he's been obnoxious, even though he's been unbelieving, even though he'd been proud and arrogant. Yet, though he was a sinner, Christ died, right? God loved him. We're talking about the love of God and grace of God here. He, when he got to that place, and only happened in the deep where he realized, you know what, my righteousness is not what actually procures a blessing of God as it were. It's the grace and mercy of God is God's love is who God is in, of, in and of himself. God is good in and of himself. I'm digressing somewhat here, but I'm, I'm going through a series in our church and, and, and some messages are, are, are sort of... I've been brewing over some messages about just this idea of God's goodness and how, you know, in Genesis, after each day of creation, at least most of the days, it says, and, and it was good, right? Things didn't have to be perfect for them to be declared good. Things didn't have to be complete. Someone needs to help me this morning. Things didn't have to be finished. Things didn't have to be like everybody else's things before we can be declared good. When God says it's good, it's, it's good because goodness resides in him. He is good. Goodness is not relative to what day three and day four has. Goodness is not relative to what brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so has. Goodness of God, the goodness of God is not relative, should not be measured as relative to what the church down the road or the business down the road. Goodness is who God is. And if God declares he good, then it's good. And so on this morning, and I'm going off script, just forgive me. You need to understand and you need to be reminded by the tender mercies of God. Be reminded this morning that God has been good to you has been good to you. Take your eyes off anyone or any situation. And yes, things might not seem to be complete in your eyes. You might have not reached the seventh day completion. You feel like, I mean, day one or day two. But listen, God still declares it good. Good. And so, in the deep... He experiences the goodness of God. And it changed this man. In the deep, and only in the deep, 
Peter realized something about himself and something about God. He realized his sinfulness, his unbelieving and doubting ways. And he also realized the lordship of God. Before that, he was, you know, he, he starts to reframe it as master, or rather as a lord instead of master. And I found that people are usually humble because, you know what, they've had some deep experiences. You know, you've seen humble Christians, people you perceive as humble, often, more often than not, right? It's because they've been to the deep. And in the deep, the, the deep has exposed their limitations. In the deep, they've responded well to the goodness of God, right? And they've come out of that, and, and they're a different person. You know, people, I, I would like to believe most people, most Christians don't, these things have to be worked through. God works these things in and through us. We don't just come, you know, ready-made. We're, we're a work in progress, and the deep is one of the means by which God works that humility in our lives. Someone said the rate at which a person can mature is directly proportional to the embarrassment that he or she can tolerate. The deep does something to us. Someone says to make mistakes as human, to stumble is commonplace. To be able to laugh at yourself is maturity. The deep Right, the deep does something to us. It, it just it lets us be earthed and or connect to be grounded, as it were. I'll close with this final thought. We look at the value of the deep, and I've been sort of signaling this throughout the message, but we'll get there. The value, the godly value of the deep. It says when they had done so, let down their nets. Verse six. They caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners and the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that it began to sink. And linked with this account is Christ's specific call to Peter to become a fisher of men. Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. From now on you shall catch men. God is gracious and God is good. If we'll just be honest and open with him in the deep, you know what? Hear my limitations. God help me. Hear my besetting sins. God help me. Hear other things that are ugly in my life. Just be open and honest with him. God help me. A broken and contrite heart he will no way despise. I love this passage because Jesus didn't say to Peter, I told you, right? He didn't mock him, right? You know, he, he wasn't aggressive. He wasn't, you know, dominating. He wasn't like, yeah, the, the next time... Don't doubt I'm the, I'm the Messiah. He wasn't like that. But he showed grace and mercy to him. And this is what's before each and every one of us in the deep. And this is the value of the deep. But also, it, I am not the Lord. Seems to me that this fishing trip 
was pivotal to Peter's development, pivotal to the things that perhaps Christ foresaw in the future concerning the day of Pentecost. That, you know, one day Peter is going to stand and he's going to speak and he's going to have another great catch. Not of fish, but of 3,000 plus souls. And the nets didn't break. The nets didn't break. And perhaps the value of the deep moments in our lives, the value of those times when you and I, with being objects of God's love and God's mercy and God's goodness, but yet we're being thrust into the deep. That, that tension, that, right? Perhaps the value of being in the deep is not only what we experience, the transformation and the renewal that we can experience, the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God that we experience as Peter did, but perhaps another value of the deep is that God is using those experiences to build capacity. Perhaps to build, just to broaden our horizons. Just to expand us a bit and cause us to see things, aspects about him and also about us. Because in the future, he's got, some, he's got another deep moment that he's going to bring us to. But this time, our nets will not break because of what we'd experienced before. And perhaps there's someone here this morning as we bring this message to a close. You're in the deep. And God, through this message, by his spirit, has allowed us to see the deep differently. That, you know what? Nothing escapes God's view. If he's put me in the deep or allowed me to go into the deep, he's going to help me in the deep. And I need to now be attentive and be aware. What is it that God wants to show me about his goodness towards me? I'm not talking about your problems. And, no, I'm not, this is not a negative. The direction is not negative. The direction is positive. We're talking about what the goodness of God that we are going to see in the deep. If we talk about the negative, we could be here. We just might as well just slice our wrists and go home. It's just, right? we, we, don't, we know ourselves, don't we? All we need is to fix our eyes on Jesus and the goodness of God. And that's what he wants us to see in the deep so that we can be renewed and transformed. But also I want to encourage you, church. I want to encourage you, husband. Encourage you, wife. Encourage you, parent. I want to encourage you, single person. I want to encourage you, minister, worship leader, children's church leader, I want to encourage you, as you experience these deep moments, be encouraged because God is going to give you a big catch. You will be blessed.
But also, he's, I believe, just by looking at the character of God and how he works, and especially through this passage, and also on the day of Pentecost, I believe that he's setting us up for something even bigger, greater. Amen? And we will have the capacity. We're not going to be running around like headless chickens. We would have, we would say, yeah, we've been there. We know because we, we, we went into the deep. We didn't run from the deep. We didn't cower from the challenge to go into the deep. We didn't say, oh, no, I'm not coming to church anymore. Oh, no, I'm not going to steward anymore. Oh, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. No, no, because these vessels, there's a tension in these vessels. They launch me into it. No, 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 no. We're going to be blessed in the deep. Can you say amen? God is going to help Beacon Church. Amen. As we launch into the deep, we believe there's going to be a great catch. Can you say amen? There's going to be a great catch in your life. Going to be a great catch in your marriage. A great catch in your parenting. A great catch amongst your children. A great catch in your business. Someone needs to help me say amen this morning. Amen. A great catch in your college, in your university. A great catch. Amen. In everything that you do. A great catch in this church. A great catch in this community. Praise God. A great catch. Why? Because we are going to take the challenge to launch into the deep. Praise God. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh God, we just thank you, Lord, for your word to us, Lord. We thank you for scripture that reveals who you are, your nature to us. And Lord, we thank you that your word is indeed a light to us and it can turn things around. Whatever the enemy meant for evil, through your word, we can see how you are able to work in and through those things. And though we look for a glass and it's dim and we can't sometimes make things out, but your word helps us, gives us a a, a way to see things and see how you are still sovereign How you are still sovereign in our lives, no matter what reversals, no matter what problems, no matter what challenges, no matter what deep waters we find ourselves in, you are still sovereign and in control. You are still sovereign and in control. And so we pray your blessing, many folds, catch. We pray for the miraculous. Lord, we're talking about the miraculous. Things we don't deserve. We pray for abundance. Oh God. We pray for abundance in our deep. As we begin to see through the eyes of faith and the eyes of the spirit. And this understanding that you are sovereign. We pray For that, we hold on. We're not going to give up. We're going to hold on for that breakthrough. That big catch, oh God. We pray, Lord, for supernatural, for for grace, superabounding grace on our lives. 
for those who have tripped up, oh Lord God, in the deep, for those who have failed in the deep, for those who don't feel worth it in the deep, for those who feel useless, for those who feel like rubbish. Oh God, we pray this morning for that superabounding grace. Which is shown, Peter, you didn't rebuke him, you didn't condemn him in the deep, but as long as he was open and honest, and we pray as we are open and honest before you this morning, that we will be recipients of that superabounding grace. Oh God, let your love fill our hearts this morning. Spread abroad our hearts, oh God, we pray, Father. Pour out your spirit, oh Lord God, your love, Lord, to envelop us, Lord. Lord, to captivate us, oh Lord God, to cleanse and purge our conscience of dead works so that we can be free to serve you. Free to serve you. Oh God, strengthen ministers, strengthen Beacon Church, strengthen the workers, Lord God, strengthen the volunteers, oh Lord, strengthen those on the ship, in the vessel. Those in the vessel, Lord God, strengthen every member, Lord. Father, every team leader, strengthen them, Lord, as they're in the deep, Lord, as they're crying out and they're seeing perhaps their limitations and they're seeing there's more than they're able to do. Oh God, we pray, strengthen them, oh Lord God. Let them taste and see that you are good. Let them experience the miraculous in their ministries, the miraculous in their teams, oh Lord God, the miraculous in this church, oh God. For you have greater things for beacon. Oh, this deep is deep. But there are other deep stuff you have for them in the future. And they will be prepared for it. We pray no nets will break in the name of Jesus. Oh God, we pray no nets will break in the name of Jesus. We pray for partners, people to come alongside. We pray that you bring men, women, oh Lord God. Father, we pray you bring, oh Lord God, your people, Lord, to gather to make sure that the nets do not break in this house. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise as our brother comes. Amen.